Our deepest desire is to know that we are worthy, worthy of loving and being loved. This podcast explores how to love, how to love fiercely, and how to be guided by the heart and trust in the most powerful energy in the universe, love. Our task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within ourselves that we have built against it. Welcome to What Would Love Do? Thanks for listening. Hello, beautiful soul. Welcome to episode 27 of What Would Love Do? Now, wherever you are in the world, I hope you are having and or feeling an abundance of love and joy and fulfillment and hey if you're at that stage where you know what just that you're consumed with maybe disappointment um and judgment or just frustration of how the year went my heart goes out to you and I want you to know one thing that you are not alone and that these moments where we're faced with the most difficult emotions. What they're asking for, well, what it, what these emotions are asking for, is compassion. So, I'm hoping you're able to send, like, find the space within yourself to have compassion and some generosity for yourself to know that this too shall pass, and that it is possible to always find a lesson and see see the circumstance with love. Um, yeah. So, welcome. Look, I have missed. I've really missed recording these episodes. You know, when I started What Would Love Do, it was my way of being able to share uh, my journey of understanding the mastery of what it takes to live from love versus fear. And I found that if I could talk through it and share through it, um, what happens is the neural pathways or the, the circuitry in my brain then you know, it starts forming and developing and enhancing. And so, you know, as you know, like if you have a journal um, and you, you write, you write out your thoughts and feelings, it just enhances that neural pathway a lot more. So, you know, I created What Would Love Do, one, for my own self-development, but also to, I believe that these are the conversations that needed to be had right now. And we're just in this amazing time uh, in the world where I think people are, openly wanting to, I guess, be in this discovery of what it takes to live from love versus fear. And there's more of a conversation around it. So yeah, I've really missed it. Um, And I, the the reason why I've been missing for a few weeks um, is because I've recently, so I'm writing a book at the moment called The Motherhood Mindset. And the other thing is there's this course that goes along with the, the book and the course has been, yeah, like my focus has been on the course. Um, and, you know, I've really had to let go of judging myself of not being able to make it all happen and pushing for a result. So where I'm at is, you know, my husband and I have intentionally crafted a lifestyle that, you know, what we, I guess it's a pretty courageous choice. Like we've made a lot of changes this year. Um, and one of those cha- that one of those changes is um, my husband quit his job and is being the full-time carer for our son. And our son is two and a half years old. And, you know, the reason why we've done this is we've just really questioned this whole model of working in the corporate world. Now, look, 
for those that love the corporate world and thrive in it, awesome, amazing, good on you. This is in no way of judging that. I'm glad that you found something that you absolutely love doing and that you thrive. For myself and for also my husband, you know, um, it was a point in time where, so I, I've, I haven't been in the corporate world for a while now. And, you know, and if I have, it's been freelancing and contracting but on my terms. And uh, so my background is in project management and user experience design. What that basically means is just, I don't know, organizing stuff. And I, I have a background in IT. And same with my husband. We, but we haven't, you know, for the longest time, I haven't been able to find a company that I really wanted to work for that were, that was aligned with the same values. And I think that's really important or having found a team that I could really connect to and, you know, life is so short and time is the most precious commodity in this world. And so what happened was when we had our son two and a half years ago, it really got me thinking, well, what does life, what do I want life to look like? Like what would it take to have an expansive view of life, an expansive experience of life? Because I do not want to be 50 and go, what happened to my life? Like where did, what happened to my dreams? What happened to being able to have that song in my heart shared and, and sung and, and I think these are amazing questions to have to really go, okay, well, how do I craft a life intentionally so that it is a masterpiece, you know, that um, because life is fleeting, it's so short and uh, we're, we're only here for a blink of an eye. So why not have our days, our minutes, um, our hours be spent in being able to show up with love over fear. So anyway, long story short, my husband this year quit his job. And one of the things that uh, when we, so both of us, so one, I'm going on um, this journey of creating the motherhood mindset, which has been taken a lot of my, you know, the, the where I've focused and dedicated my time to. And then my husband's quit his job so that he could spend more time with our son, Avery, and he's also the full-time carer. And inside of that, I've been really conscious of this beautiful opportunity that we've had to be together as a family while Avery is still really young. And so previous to Avery, you know, with my previous startups, um, so this is my fourth startup, startup now. Now with my previous startups, you know, I'd be waking up at five o'clock in the morning, um, journaling, doing yoga, prepping myself. And then I'd work up until say about, you know, seven o'clock at night, five to six days a week, if not seven sometimes. But the thing was, I thrived on that. And the thing, and you know, and I think being, and without the child without a child it was okay for a couple to be able to do that as well because I guess with the uh my husband and I we're kind of introverts like you know we're we're leaning more towards the introverted kind of behavior so you know it worked really well and it served it served its purpose you know it really served its purpose through those startups through the way that I was working before I you know, it led me to my, my a spiritual, like, I guess, seeking spirituality, seeking um, clarity in what I wanted to do in life um, and how I wanted to show up in life and what life meant and all those questions. It's, and then parenting happened. And 
When we became parents, it was very much how do we honor this expression rather than seeing it as a thing to do, like a checklist. We really wanted to honor the expression of what it was to be a family, what it was, what it meant for my husband to be a father, what it meant for me to be a mother, um, and understanding this whole new dynamic and honoring it as we entered into this world. So with doing the motherhood mindset, with wanting to creating the podcast and the family life, um, you know, just I think I may have overestimated what I was capable of in a lot of the, you know, yeah, I definitely overestimated what I want to be able to do and the time I had. And at the same time, I'm conscious of letting go of judgment um, when I haven't been able to deliver on what I really wanted to deliver on and know that, hey, this is a practice of knowing that this is my time, no one else's time, no one else's agenda, understanding my time and really being able to go, well, what do I want to fill my time with and how do I want to feel each day when I wake up? And I think up until this point, uh, especially this year, or maybe even when, you know, up until when Avery was born, there was a lot of doing, there was a lot of obsession and addiction to busyness and doing and constantly being in this heightened state of, um, yeah, just a heightened state of go, 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 go and achievement, achievement, achievement. And look, I don't condemn that. I don't judge that. That really served its purpose to where we are now and where I'm at now, you know, um, I just, there, there's this this real appreciation for time. And, well, one, I know that time is a construct in our minds and it doesn't exist. And, look, that's a different conversation for another day. But also being able to understand that, you know, when I wake up in the morning, I want to make sure my husband feels really acknowledged and loved and that Avery feels really acknowledged and and loved. It's, it's... I I do the experience of like hurrying, hurrying, hurrying and busy, busy, busy just doesn't align with what I want to craft for life right now. And so that also meant being able to be okay when I haven't been able to deliver and be okay with the judgment that may come with that. Um, And it's, it's, I'm still learning. I'm still really learning. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, 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 I think we'll always be forever learning uh, to be the master of our fate and the captain of our soul. So, yeah, so that's where I've been, uh, launching and filming and creating this online course called The Motherhood Mindset. Um, And it's a course dedicated for first-time mothers. And the reason why I wanted to do this is because I believe that children are born into this world understanding their wholeness. And what happens is as we get older or as we journey on through this life, we may be influenced to being separate from that experience of wholeness. And where we learn love, the model of love that comes from humanity is from our parents. And so I believe that every parent wants their child to thrive, but we haven't actually understood what it meant to thrive. And so if we're unconscious about it, we can say thriving means pushing them to meet their milestones a lot earlier or pushing them to, you know, achieve a certain result, Um, pushing them to be more extroverted than introverted. And I see this in parenting a lot. And look, this isn't a judgment. I believe when we know better, we do better. And this is part of evolution. 
So children learn how to love from watching their parents. They learn to understand what it means to live from fear and love watching their parents, but they don't have a filter. So in entering motherhood, and why, the, why it's called the motherhood mindset is because, well, I don't know what it is to be a father because males have their own wiring and their own unconscious beliefs that they need to work through. So I didn't want to call it a parenting course because it's it, this course has nothing to teach. It, it teaches nothing about parenting and all about being able to understand our own humanity and understand what it is to create self-love and have clarity on our life. And so the motherhood mindset is if we can take accountability for the wounds that we've had in childhood and for taking accountability for our own emotions and feelings and creating clarity in our life and creating our life as a masterpiece, I think that's one of the best gifts that we can give our children. And, you know, with mothers, there is this unconscious, addictive swirl that comes through it, which is to be a victim or a hero and a martyr, to have motherhood be experienced with survival, self-sacrifice. There's so much self-sacrifice in motherhood, right? And yeah, it doesn't honour who you are as a human being and it really doesn't honour the choice in becoming a mother as well. So that's why I created the motherhood mindset because to really learn how to live from love and versus living from fear comes you know, like a child learns that from their parents. Um, so that's why I created the course. And yeah, so it's something I'm really passionate about. But anyway, uh, yeah, so that's where my time has been. And I've really missed recording these episodes for What Would Love Do? Um, so I thought I'd dedicate this episode to sharing with you my own reflections for the past year and I believe that it's you know a really good exercise to bring to bring awareness to you know how have you lived and how have you loved and was the last year a lived in alignment with your heart your spirit your soul and really the only person that can can give a great evaluation is yourself, right? Because you experience yourself, no one else. Yeah, you know, you, you, other people experience you, but I, I, what's so important is you're the person that's going to bed at night with yourself and you're the one that's waking up with yourself. And so there's an opportunity now as we come towards the end of the year to go, okay, well, how did I live this year? And did I show up with courage? Did I show up with love? Like how much was my, how much time and awareness and consciousness did I dedicate to really understanding myself and choosing to live from love over fear. So I haven't done this yet because normally I would write this in a journal. Um, So I'm just going to, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to openly share with you what some of the questions that I've come up with to ask myself. And I'm going to share with you my year in review. And, you know, the intention of this is maybe um, it could provide some some guidance to to yourself to reflect in your for, for your year in review for 2018 and it's so interesting because when you talk to people about you know how was this year they will talk about their achievements they will talk about something external to them and then when you ask them you know what do you want your next year to be about once again it's about what can I achieve what about you know what I'm going to do in my business and etc cetera, etc cetera. but 
rarely do we ever spend the time to go, well, what, how did I feel? You know, where were my, where, how were my emotions? What was my emotional life like? How did I make those choices within these areas of life and were they aligned? And so this journey of self-awareness, you know, once we can master ourselves, we can master our reality. Um, so a lot of the questions that I'm going to be asking myself is coming from mastering my own subconscious mind and, you know, that there's moments that I haven't been proud of and I, I'm openly will share them with you. So the first question I wrote down was on a scale of one to 10, how courageous was I in showing up in my life? So intuitively, I believe this is about a seven in terms of being able to be, to make the courageous choices that I have been in the last year. Um, where I have been courageous is studying the Motherhood Mindset book. Um, this has been a book that I've wanted to write for over two years now. Um, so I started writing it and why, you know, it's a courageous choice to write a book um, and beginning to write the book. Where I could have improved on was, oh, you know, that self-doubt, just that fear of judgment and that fear of um, caring about what other people think and being judged. That's something I definitely can improve on. And I believe that when I experience self-doubt as well, um, when we experience self-doubt, we're, we're separate from ourselves. We are choosing to live from fear. You know, so self-doubt is a real indicator of uh, buying into fear over love. Courageous in terms of love um, has been really remarkable for my husband and I. I am so blessed to be the wife of Mr. John Ewan. Um, he is such a remarkable man. And I must say we're, we're kind of different as well. You know, it's it's I don't know if opposites attract. I don't think it's anything to do with that. But I think what it is is that we have an immense respect for one another and respect is so important. We have an immense respect for each other's spirits and each other's soul and how we want to craft life. Uh, so in terms of love, yeah, it's been really amazing to be in partnership with him, to be parents, and we've learned so much about each other as well. And in terms of courage in our relationships, we had some pretty confronting conversations. Um, so I believe that uh, to have the most amazing relationships, we are to be able to, you know, have have the courage to voice when it's not working. Um, so we have a lot of those kind of conversations and I'll ask him things like, Hey, on a scale of one to 10 right now, how inspired are you with our marriage and partnership and how loved do you feel? Do you feel seen? Do you feel heard? Do you feel understood? These questions are so important to be able to go, okay, well, here's where we're at. Cause without knowing where you're at, you don't know where you're going to go or how you're going to get to where you need to. Um, so being able to ask him those questions have, you know, it's, it's been amazing. And, and learning with one another and, um, you know, they're difficult conversations. So in terms of, I think, love, we've been quite courageous and I've been, I feel like I've been really proud of how I've shown up in my marriage and um, our relationship. Uh, what else has been courageous in life? 
Um, yeah, creating this course, the motherhood mindset. Also being able to, you know, when my husband said to me, so he's been at his job for eight and a half years and he worked for what was a, like what he believed was a really amazing company. He loved his team. He loved the culture and the team environment. And there's been some changes in the last year or so that were misaligned to, I guess, what he, like, you know, he was no longer feeling like he could show up to be the best version of himself. And he asked me this question. He said, you know, should I look for another job or what would it be like to look for a new, new career? Like, what, what do you think I should do? Because I, I'm just not finding joy anymore in this. And I said to him, you know, and I learned this from a previous manager of mine where he said, if your heart is full, if your heart is heavy, nothing new can come into it. So if you are, and when I say your heart is full, I don't mean full of love, but I mean like I guess if your your spirit is so full, like filled up with stuff, you know, nothing new can be created or nothing new can be can come in. So he said that to be able to have something new come into your life, you've got to free your heart, right? So my it was my, an old manager of mine and he just quit his job and went on a, you know, I guess a soul-searching or life-searching um, expedition. And so I said to my husband, you know, free your heart, like free your heart instead of trying to replace your heart with something else. Like it, let's say you get a new job. It might be great for the first few months, but you haven't actually solved the problem of, getting clarity on what you want your life to be about. So why don't you just free your heart and give yourself the the space to discover, give yourself the freedom to learn. And, you know, we really learned this from our son. You see, when we watch our children, we understand the importance of what it is to discover, to go on adventure, to explore. And yet why do we, when we, when we grow up, and I say grow up, really loosely because, you know, I guess when we become a certain age, we think, you know, discovery and adventure and exploration isn't, we don't give space to that. Yet, if anything, the older you get, the more important it is to discover, to explore, to go on an adventure, to reconnect with yourself. So I said, give yourself the freedom to explore and discover and go on an adventure to find out what it is that you really want to do. So, yeah, he quit his job. And I said quit your job from a space of love, not from a sp- space of resentment. Because when you do it from a space of resentment, you know, you're just avoiding something. But when you do it from a space of love, you're really acknowledging the journey for what it has been. And then, you you're, you know, it's it's different. You're, it's, it's a different kind of canvas now that you get to create on. So, I think um, both he he showed up courageously in his life to doing that, but um, being able to be the kind of partner to accept that choice he made was amazing as well. Like you know, and look, I've to be quite honest, I was thinking, oh, you know, we really, yeah, like you know, society tells us that it um, you can't live that way, but I was like, well, but who said, you know, why can't we take time? to get clarity and and bring consciousness and awareness to what we want in life. So, yeah. So another thing that I believe that I did really courageously was surrender and have faith. So I may have previously mentioned in um, in earlier podcast episodes that I had a spinal cord injury. And last year, the diagnosis was this. 
which is my spinal cord injury is pretty severe and anything like, you know, I could be pushed over and then I could become disabled and paralyzed. Um, they said that the sig- that there's been a signal change on my spinal cord. Um, yeah, so it was, so, you know, some pretty heartbreaking stuff to hear. And at that time, Avery was 17 months. So the prognosis was to be able to have um, a surgery. You know, it, it, was, it was a pretty, like, you know, a hardcore, a pretty serious hardcore surgery where they cut open the front of the neck and they repl- they take the disc out, the disc that's damaged based on the MRIs. They take the disc out and they put what we call a cage inside the disc. So it's a metal cage and then they, they fuse the distance between. Anyway, this is getting technical. So, you know, they've done this surgery many, many times before and they're like, oh, I should be fine. But, be, you know, and normally this surgery is done at a later stage in life. Um now, the prognosis was that if I don't do the surgery, the condition will get worse and I have a real chance to getting paralyzed and disabled. Um, and they said, oh, look, it should be okay. It's a common surgery. But the more research I did, you know, the thing is, I, I, I and I also had a foreign object in my body from a previous major car accident as well. I know the impact of what it feels like to have a foreign object in your body. And I believed, I, I predictably, I would have to replace, do the surgery again within like 10 years and then 20 years and 30 years. And the quality of life just wasn't, what, yeah, what I could see would be great. And so then I chose uh, to be able to find a way to heal it holistically. And that took something, you know. Um, I remember reading Dr. Bruce Lipton's book, The Biology of Belief, where he talked about how your body is constantly regenerating. So there's new cells all the time and the cells are being able to regenerate based on the environment, based on the messages that they're getting from the environment, which means if you change the environment, if you change, and when we talk about environment, we're even talking about the thoughts and the beliefs um, and what you're doing, then your cells will change. And, And I also read Dr... Joe Dispenza's book, um, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, earlier last year. So at the end of last year and the beginning of this year, I really took on investigating what it would take to surrender, trust in the intelligence of my body, trust the intuition that's within and go on this path to master my mind and master myself and heal this spinal cord injury um and you know that took so much courage but if anything I believed that that lesson was absolutely perfect to being able to lead me to understanding more of my intuition to understanding more of how important it is to live from love versus fear so that was really uh yeah one of the most courageous things that I think I I've done to be able to yeah surrender trust and turn to faith. Uh, And when I talk about faith, I don't mean from a religious purpose. I mean faith as in faith in the experience of trusting something bigger than ourselves, but also trusting ourselves that we can tap into that intelligence, tap into that that consciousness and that awareness. Um, And yeah, you know, knowing that 
there's a miracle. I mean, to be born is a miracle. And so going back to that space of understanding what it is a miracle to be alive and, yeah, you know, just expanding our or expanding my understanding of what it is to be a human being and being alive in this time and space. So overall, on a scale of 1 to 10, I believed I was probably about a 7 on how courageous I was showing up in my life. So the next question I had is, how did I live from love? So living from love, I believe, is living from a wholehearted space. Um, So where I lived from love was when we had to make major decisions, such as uh, what I wanted to do with my life. So I wanted to, and, and I guess, also having clarity on what I wanted a perfect day to look like. Um, I didn't want to pass on the addiction to busyness and living life unconsciously to our child. That was something, if I did that, I would then, I would feel that I would dishonor what it is to be a mother, right? Now, I'm not saying that it's about spending all my time with our son. No, like, our son, well, all he wants is when we do spend time with him is to be present. But if we are addicted to busyness, it's really hard to then understand what presence feels like and looks like because you could be spending time with someone and your mind is on something else and they can feel it. Um, so this year has been really conscious about what it feels like, you know, how I, so when I said, how did I live from love? It's being able to not let go of the addiction to being busy, letting go of the addiction to doing, letting go of the addiction to forcing an outcome in life and letting go of the addiction to thinking that I'm separate from myself, you know, that I need all this external validation to feel whole and that my worthiness is based on what I have, what I what I've done, um, yeah, you know, letting go of that because when I've chosen this path to be a mother, I really asked myself, what does it look like to bring honor and reverence to motherhood? What would that look like? How would that be as an expression? And with having Avery, you know, he's like the mirror. So anytime I'm not present, anytime that I'm living from fear, he will absolutely show me uh, what that feels like and what that looks like. And, you know, if we can stand in that when we are living from a space of love, it is so much more than just for ourselves. It is understanding that each choice we make, and we are really only one choice away to contributing to the world. I mean, all of us, I truly I really believe that all of us want to be able to make some kind of contribution to the world. We want to be able to make a difference. Except we think that making a difference is either having to be like, like start a charity or impacting other people's lives and inspiring other people. Yet I think it starts with inspiring our own self. It starts with being charitable to our own self. It starts with understanding our our barriers from when we choose to live from love 
versus when we have chosen to live from fear. I can't remember who said this quote, but it may have been Gandhi where it said, you know, I once wanted to change the world and then I became wiser and then I realized that I just wanted to change myself. It, it was something along those lines. Because when we constantly, like, you know, because there's a difference between wanting to make an impact from the world from a space of lack. See, if you want to make a difference to the world from a space of lack, what it is is that you don't feel whole, complete, and perfect within yourself so that you want to make a difference out there to then reinforce that you're okay within. But that's fleeting. That experience of fulfillment doesn't last so long. And, you know, you may... You know, and and there may be, and, and and I'm not I'm not disowning that, and I'm not judging that, and I think it's wonderful to be able to go, hey, I really want to make a big difference in the world. But when that big difference is from a space of lack or from a space of fear, no matter what you do, there isn't that sense of stillness or peace. And I believe to be really seen, to be heard, to be understood, to understand our wholeness, it starts from within. And when we can master ourselves, so, you know, and, and I think parenting or motherhood really uh, puts the the highlight on being able to go, hey, understand yourself before you want to be able to, you know, do all these grand things in life because it starts from within and then it becomes a ripple effect. And so parenting can be the avenue in which you make a difference in this world. It can be an avenue where it creates a beautiful ripple effect because if you master yourself in parenting, the ripple effect becomes on how you choose to teach your child on how to live from love. If anything, they're teaching us how to live from love, right? Um, And then they then can honor what it takes to live from love and they pass that on and, you know, wherever it is they go. So, yeah, you know, how did I live from love this year was through my, yeah, through taking on choosing to experience and discover wholeness from within rather than basing it on external validation and um, understanding my own humanity and being able to be vulnerable with my you know, with where I felt separate from myself, with where I felt like a failure, with where I felt broken. And the more that I can lean into these emotions of what it is to be human, it actually enhances the understanding of empathy. And then I can bring that to other people and I can bring that into being able to empathize with what people are going through. Um, Because at the end of the day, we're doing the best that we can with what we have. Um, I truly believe that. I actually truly believe that everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. Yes, I believe that for someone who is a terrorist. I believe that for someone who has done some horrible things. I believe that is for someone who is, uh, you know, I guess this is an extreme case, but like someone who's abusive, they are doing the best they can with the mind that they have. Now, their best may not be great and their best may not be from a loving space and their best may be from the entire space of fear, but they are seriously doing the best they can because they're hurting. You know, I remember this parable. It's it's, it's an old Indian parable where he talks about a wolf and this lady's walking into the forest and she hears this aggressive wolf 
barking and she can't and the wolf is scary its teeth are showing and it's drooling and it's just barking at her and it's so aggressive now we can look at that on the surface and go wow that wolf is mean that wolf is going to kill me and there's just so much hatred in that wolf so this lady walks closer to the wolf and then she has she saw that the wolf was shackled with uh, so his feet were shackled with these sharp uh, a sharp trap that was clinging into its feet and it was bleeding so that the wolf is really expressing a wound that has been there and so that's the best that it can do now our job as a human being isn't to fix a wound of another human being but our job is to be able to still choose to live from love and see it from love over fear our job isn't to feel em- to feel sympathy or to feel pity, but to empathize with just go, I get it. I get the human experience that you are feeling. And when we, when we can create that real space of understanding and empathy, um, you know, I think we're creating a ripple effect into feel like seeing another human being, understanding another human being. Um, and inside of that, we then can feel seen, heard and understood because we're seeing and understanding our own self. Um, because really, even though what would like, you know, when we talk about love and when we talk about how every human being is seeking to feel seen, heard and understood, the most, the one person that we want to really feel that from is ourself. We want to see ourselves. We want to understand ourselves and we want to hear ourselves and our heart. Because I believe that we can be our biggest advocate and our strongest best friend, or we can be our biggest critic. And when we're our biggest critic, we are, you know, it, it, it manifests itself into criticizing other people and judging other people just to hide the fact that we feel hurt and pain within. Yes, yeah, so, so I kind of went on a tangent. So the question was, how did I live from love? So I guess I live from love in my parenting choices. I live from love in how I've chosen to show up in my relationship. Um, how I live from love was to choose to bring clarity into what I wanted my life to be about. Um, and how I live from love was being able to have compassion and generosity to myself and learning how to be my own best friend and being really compassionate. Like I am so compassionate to myself and there are days that I'm not like, you know, and I, I know when I feel separate from myself, but I can bring compassion in the next moment when I'm judging myself and understand and bring awareness to that judgment and go, wow, like that's not even my own judgment. That's some inherited human behavior because at the core of all of us is love, right? I truly believe that. Um, So the next question I had was, in what moments did I live from fear? Wow. So when I had self-doubt, I lived from fear. When I judged myself, I lived from fear. When I feared what people thought of me, I lived from fear. When I felt separate to another human being and I judged another human being, I lived from fear. When I, well, so yeah, I guess when I live from fear is when I feel separate from myself. When I felt incomplete and based my own self-worth on external achievements, I lived from fear. When I felt uh, despair, like giving up, um, especially when 
I've chosen to heal my neck, uh, to heal the spinal cord injury holistically. There were moments where it's really scary, you know, um, and I, th- I thought maybe I should just get the surgery. That's when I live from fear. I live from fear when um, I wanted to control an outcome, you know. When we want to control an outcome, we're living from fear. When we're addicted to an outcome, we're living from fear. When I kept looking at our bank balance, I was living from fear. When I kept worrying about the future and worrying about if things don't work out, I live from fear. When I was um, searching on LinkedIn and... um, you know, it felt good being headhunted or going, hey, do you want to apply for this job? And I think you'll be great for this. Like I lived from fear because I felt inadequate when I was writing my book and like who am I? Like I kept, when I questioned myself in writing this book and doing this course, like who am I to teach and who am I to share this message? And so then what I would do is give myself an ego boost by going onto LinkedIn and going, hey, but I feel wanted in the corporate world. Um, That was totally living from fear, you know, needing that ego boost, needing that external validation and approval. I lived from fear when I felt um, a distance with my with my mum and dad. And, you know, this relationship that I have with my mum and dad is, you know, it isn't the greatest. You know, I'll be honest. Um, even though I preach all this stuff and I share all this stuff about living from love and fear, um, yeah, like the relationship with my mum and dad has something that has been something that has been quite testing. And the reason why it is, is I believe that they're on their own journey. And I also believe from a spiritual standpoint that I chose them to be the parents that I needed for the evolution that I wanted and the lessons that I wanted in this lifetime. There's this book by Napoleon Hill and it's called Outwitting the Devil. If you have issues with your parents and family, please read this book. It is extraordinary because it gave me this point of view that, oh, was so liberating. And it is this, that even though they're your birth parents, they don't own you and you do not own them anything and that you're not obligated to them for anything. If anything, you are accountable for your experience of life. And there's this weird thing when it comes to the parent and child dynamic where we feel like we own the child and we feel like our child owes their life to us. That is not the case, okay? And and I think this is why I created the motherhood mindset as well. Khalil Gibran says this in his beautiful poem on children. Your children are not yours to own. They They come through you, but they do not belong to you. And I think Now, look, I truly believe that if every parent took this on where we do, you know, where we can acknowledge the spirit, the unique spirit that is in our children and we stop making them or trying to stop make them clones of ourself as though that our way of life is the only way of life, oh, you know what, the world would be a very different place because people are then living from a space of love over fear. But having said that, I also believe that everything is perfect in where it's meant to be for the purpose of evolution. You know, there is no, that life is actually imperfectly perfect. Wherever anyone is on this journey of life is actually where they're meant to be. So um, 
and and when we awaken to this this knowledge and uh, awaken to this belief we we choose a different trajectory in life and so everyone is meant to be where they're meant to be it is a perfect journey and the only journey that we need to worry about is our own journey you know so i don't you know i'm always conscious of being able to meet Avery where his spirit is at. And that's tough. Like, to be honest, that's really tough because, you know, here I am wanting him to, you know, be a certain way, but I have to watch myself and catch myself and go, no, he's his own person. He's his own unique person. And, um, yeah, you know, it's it's liberating as it is quite challenging because we're then faced with the confrontation of how much we want to control other people's life but who are we to meddle in anyone's life seriously watch like you know you got to look after your own backyard you got to look after your own mind um because everyone else has their own mind handled okay and it's their job to handle their own mind you can influence it but who we are we have no right to control another's journey um because it's their own masterpiece and this is their life and they want to be a, they want to be the master of their fate and the captain of our of their soul like we want to be the master of our fate and the captain of our soul so what we can do is be a commitment to be able to bring love share love and live from love and then influence them that way and should they choose to uh, allow the influence to be received or not it is really their choice. So other moments that I live from fear, yeah, it was when I was really trying to control an outcome, whether it was in my life, in another person's life, uh, when I felt separate from my husband, my child, from my experience of motherhood or an ex- my experience of myself, when I live from fear was even when I had to take time out from recording the podcast, there was this fear that, you know, people would judge me. Um, yeah, and there was this fear that, and, you know, and people might, but it didn't, that doesn't matter. You know, I think what truly matters is being able to show up the being the best version of ourselves every day. And, you know, if that was experiencing fear, we can go, okay, what can I choose in the next moment? And just creating the, the space and the compassion for that. Now, this is all self-mastery. It doesn't mean that I've conquered it. it it's just bringing awareness to what needs to be done and bring aware, awareness to the moments that I live from fear. Now, I lived in fear a lot when I was around family um, because I felt that they judged me. This isn't, I'm not talking about my brother. My brother and I have a really great relationship. Um, just family, like mum, dad, and my extended family as well. Um, my in, like, Yeah, like my in-laws. You know, I, I felt judged a lot by them. And it's okay to feel judged. But what is not okay with me is when I allow that judgment to influence how I felt about myself. And so there were moments where I let that influence how I felt about myself. Um, So those were the moments that I lived in fear. Oh, the other, when I lived in fear is when I seeked validation and approval from people that didn't really matter. You know, um, when, when I felt judged by certain people, I constantly wanted to seek validation and approval by them. So when I seek validation and approval, I know that I'm living from a space of fear. So, yeah, so the next question I had is what challenges do I want more of? You know, we are, as a human being, we're constantly answering questions in our mind. 
So the more powerful the question, the diff- the more powerful we show up in our mind. We are always facing challenges, but the question to ask is, are these challenges worthy of our being and are these challenges allowing us to show up in life in the way that we want in the way that we want? So challenges are great. So it's understanding what challenges do I want more of? I love the challenge of being able to show up every day with joy. Like how do I show up every day with joy? How do I show up every day from a space of love? How do I show up um, in being able to understand, to be able to create the motherhood mindset or this blog, or I'm sorry, not the blog, the book that I'm writing and the podcast with letting go of the fear of judgment or letting go of needing to seek validation and approval and questioning whether I'm liked or loved. Like that's a really great challenge to have. A great challenge to have is how do I contribute to my marriage to take it to the next level? What is it that John needs? Understanding John a lot more, understanding Avery a lot better. How is the challenge of being able to be a mother and meet Avery where he's at every moment in his life, meet him from spirit to spirit and letting go of the need of controlling him or being able to say what's best for his life. You know, like that's a good challenge to have. That's a good inquiry that um, I would love to have more of. Another challenge is how do I live more in alignment from my heart? How do I surrender more? How do I have faith more? How do I trust this intelligence of life more? How do I connect to my own spirituality? How do I cultivate my own intuition more? Those are the challenges that I'd love to have more of. Oh, you know what? Even more fun challenges. How do I be able to craft a life where I can, you know, travel anywhere in the world and work anywhere in the world in terms of being a digital nomad. You know, that's why I wanted to write a book and create an online course because I didn't want to be location bound um, and I didn't want to have people reporting to me, which was my previous business where I was creating something like it was a design business where I needed to be there constantly. And um, yeah, so I'm at this stage in life where I want to be anywhere in the world and know that I can create an amazing business, be a contribution, but more importantly, I'm showing up authentically with courage and the song in my heart is being sung. Uh, that's that's an analogy from Maya Angelou, which I, which I love. You know, there's a, there's a song in all our hearts that's wanting to be heard, wanting to be expressed. So those are the kind of challenges that I want more of in 2019. Uh, So the next question that I wanted to ask myself in reflecting 2018 is, would those closest to me experience being loved? So those closest to me are my husband, Avery, uh, our son, my brother, my closest friends. Did they experience being loved by me? And I would say yes. I I would say that each time I'm with them, I'm present. I'm showing up with love. I express love to them openly. It's probably, I believe, about an eight or nine out of 10. Now, what I can do more of is probably spend more time with my friends. Um, Look, I, you know, I see my friends not in a great amount of time. I I don't see them a lot. I'll be honest. I'm just not one of those people that socialize a lot. 
Um, so what I'd love to do more of next year is spend more time with my friends um, as opposed to like the once every few months. Um, however, I do know that when they are in my presence, I acknowledge them, I create a space of being loving and I honestly can say that they experienced being loved by me. Now, the other thing that I did this year was I took on a lot of courses this year um, and understand. So, you know, just, I, I love learning. Um, and one of the courses, well, two of the courses that I took were from a company called Mind Valley. And there was this course that they had was called Lifebook. Now, Lifebook is created by John and Missy Butcher. And they have divided they have understood that there's 12 areas of life and they've basically said, you know, as a human being, you kind of think that you only can, you know, if you excel in one area, you know, another area kind of uh, is challenged by it. And so they explored, they understood that there's 12 areas of life and what's needed in all these 12 areas is clarity, understanding what your beliefs are, what your subconscious beliefs are, and then creating, you know, if the subconscious beliefs don't empower you, replace them with empowering beliefs. And they are truly the advocates of you can have it all and you can create your life and you are the master of your fate and the captain of your soul. So what I really loved from Lifebook was that they demonstrated that it is possible to have a thriving life in all areas, right? In all areas. So these are the 12 areas of life that they've come up with. So the first area is health and fitness. The second area is intellectual. The third area is emotional. The fourth area is your character. The fifth area is spirituality. The sixth area is are your love relationships. Seventh area is parenting. Eighth area is your social life. Ninth area is career. Tenth area is financial. And the last two areas, so the eleventh area is your quality of life. And the last area is your life vision. So in the next, you know, the next stage I'm going to share with you, I'm going to, I'm going to review the different areas of my life from the perspective of love and fear, right? And how, um, I guess I'm going to give it a rating from a scale of one to 10 on how fulfilled I was in these areas. So in terms of health and fitness, look, it's going to be a six out of 10. I... You know, I was I do yoga about three times per week, so I've scheduled in to do yoga about three times per week. Um, except, you know, sometimes it might be one or two times. So probably I only adhere to my schedule about seventy five percent of the time, if that. Maybe even closer to sixty five percent of the time. So next year, I'd love to be able to honor the commitment that it is to exercise because exercise is so important because when you feel healthy you know you, you have more energy and you can bring that into the the rest of like the the rest of your life like the other areas of your life the other thing was eating i you know i i'm not i, I don't eat a lot of junk food but at the same time i'm not i guess uh bringing joy to when i eat like eating right now has been like oh i just got to eat to give, give myself energy um, as opposed to being able to spend time and being present with the food that I'm eating, um, being able to acknowledge the amazing taste that it has. So, be, yeah, to bring some more awareness to around what I'm eating, how I'm eating and not rushing through it would be really great. Um, yeah, so exercise. 
to honour that schedule next year, to have more walks in nature. I know that that's when I feel really grounded to be able to walk in nature. Um, and, yeah, eat better and drink more water. I think I, you know, I have definitely improved my water intake, uh, but, I, you know, it will be really great to be able to consistently do it and drink at least two litres of water a day. So the, the health and fitness is about a 6 out of 10. Okay, so the next area of life is my intellectual life. So the intellectual life is all about what you're learning, um, being able to understand your thoughts and being able to bring awareness to your thoughts because your thoughts matter. How you think in life matter because how you think determines how you show up in reality. Now, my intellectual life, I believe it's probably about an eight. I've done a lot of... Um, you know, I really invested in this in this area this year. So I was consistently learning. So I did a course with Mind Valley. If you haven't checked them out, great online learning. Um, Vishen Lakiani, who's the creator and founder of Mind Valley, brilliant man. You know, he wrote the book The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. So these are the courses that I did in Mind Valley. I did the Life Book Quest, which was a 31-day challenge. Then I went on to the Life Book Seminar, which is the the, the, the deeper course about creating your life and your life vision. I also did a course with Mind Valley called The Spiritual Millionaire because I really wanted to be able to bring more clarity and awareness to my mindset about money and my mindset about abundance. I had the limiting belief that I cannot make money doing what I love. So in the corporate world, I would make a lot of money, right? But it wasn't what I loved. Now, when I, with the three previous businesses that I had, yeah, I was struggling. It was, you know, I call them beautiful failures, right? So I didn't want the motherhood mindset and this new journey that I want to be on into being a writer um, <clears throat> and a teacher to suffer that, suffer that kind of same mindset. So I wanted to bring a lot of awareness around my mindset, around abundance and money. And the, the greatest thing I got from that spiritual millionaire course. Now I've got a lot of great things, but one of the great, and that's, that's taught by T. Harv Ecker, um, was this, that money has nothing to do with spirituality. I really was able to adopt that mindset, but not only adopt it, but have it be in my cells. It's so important to your body to be able to feel it. You know, not, it's like an inner knowing that money has nothing to do with spirituality. Uh, so that was really amazing for me. So then I also did, a, you know, I learned from Brendan Bouchard a lot. Brendan Bouchard is the, one of the, the number one New York Times bestseller on books in motivation and high performance habits. So I did his course, Total Product Blueprint. Um, I was also listening to a lot of his podcasts and understanding, you know, wanted to bring more awareness into what it takes to be a high performer in life. So he has crafted, you know, I think he's done, he, he declared that he created the biggest research piece that spans over 20 years on what it, the difference between a successful person and an unsuccessful person. And we're not talking about money, we're talking about fulfillment in all areas. So he's distilled them into these six key principles. Um, and what, like, you know, and the thing that he says was most successful people have real clarity on what they want in their life. But not only that, the second thing is they bring awareness to what it's going to take to bring that vision of life into reality. Uh, so Brendan Bashad was someone that I learned off. I also did a course with Amy Porterfield uh, called Courses That Create, which was to get more understanding on what it takes to write 
uh, to create an online course. Um, yes, I was consistently learning this year and expanding myself and really invested into self-development um, and self-mastery. So intellectual was definitely an eight. Now, what I could improve on was probably uh, being focused because I'll jump from course to course and do them here and there. Now, at, like, you know, for example, I, I, I was reading a lot of books as well this year, except I was reading them all at one time. So I'll open one book and then start a new book. And so there's about seven books that are on my bookshelf waiting to be read. So, yeah, so intellectual life is definitely an eight out of 10. So the next area in life is my emotional life. You know, how did I, and your emotional life is, I guess, how you experience joy, fulfillment, love, um, you know, how you felt emotionally. So I believe this is about a seven out of 10. Um, around those that I love, uh, there's a lot of joy and a lot of, and, you know, and I make sure that I create more moments of spending time with the people that I love. Um, and look, I've done things out of obligation, which I hate doing things out of obligation because I know that when you're doing things out of obligation, you feel like a victim and that you have no choice, but we all have a choice. So I've chosen, like, well, I spend time with people that don't bring me joy. I'll be honest. I spend time with people that don't bring me joy because I felt like I had no choice, because I was being a victim, because I felt like, oh, I should do it because I didn't want to be judged. But yeah, you know, that <laughs> time is so precious. And uh, what I'd love to be able to do more of in 2019 is say no to the people that don't bring me joy um, and let go of conversations that don't bring me joy. So, look, overall, I think it's a 7 out of 10. Next year, how I can bring it to an 8 or a 9 would definitely be being able to have the courage to say no, you know, and because we're all evolving and, yeah, it's it's you, your, your experience of life is so precious and so is time. But overall, my emotional life was pretty great. Uh, when I say a 7 out of 10, and it can be improved. Um, but not only that, I think where it can also be improved is letting go of my own judgment to myself and bring you can always bring more compassion to yourself, right? So I think that's another area that I could improve on. Character, out of 1 out of 10, how did I experience fulfillment in my character? Look, intuitively, I believe it's a 6 out of 10. I believe that um, where I would love to be able to improve on my virtues is having more clarity on what character virtues I actually want. Um, it, it was a part in life book that I spent time doing, you know, bring some clarity, but I never finished it. So yeah, if I could bring more clarity into understanding what character traits that I want to cultivate, that would definitely be amazing. Um, as opposed to going, oh, yeah, I'll just go with the flow and live from love and fear without actually going, well, what character traits does that actually entail and is needed would be great. Um, and one of the things that I did do a lot of this year, which I'm not proud of, is judgment, you know, judging other people. Um, and I know that when I judge other people, it has nothing to do with them and also do with me because it's easier to judge someone than actually deal with that they don't like you, right? So when I was around people that I knew that didn't like me, that um, had an opinion about what I was doing, um, 
I just became a brat. I became like, well, if you're going to judge me, I'm going to judge you too, which is absolutely horrible because I'm at the effect of it, right? Um, so, and, you know, and the thing is, even if it takes me, an, like if it takes an hour out of being present and if I'm in it, if I'm spending an hour in the in the experience of fear, that's an hour that of my life that I'll never get back. So, you know, even, yeah, so even though I can bring awareness to my judgment, that time that I've spent in judgment, I can never get back, right? So in terms of character, judgment is something, especially judging myself. And the thing is, you wouldn't experience judgment from another human being if you didn't judge yourself. So if you judge yourself, you will experience judgment because your wiring can pick up that frequency. However, if you didn't judge yourself or you had so much compassion and love for who you are, their judgment wouldn't impact you. You just, you'll be able to notice it for what it is, which is a separation from self. So one of the things I would love to be able to cultivate in 2019, even starting from today, is being able to have more acceptance of my journey of where I'm at. Because when I can bring acceptance and compassion to myself, there'll be less judgment on another human being. Um, so if I judge another human being, that is just a mirror that I'm judging myself and that I'm feeling separate from myself. So yeah, that's character, six out of 10. Now, spiritual life is the next one. Out of a one out of 10, where was I in my life or spirituality? Look, I think uh, it's definitely a nine out of 10. And that's not to say that there isn't more improvement. Spirituality for me, is the definition of spirituality for me isn't about religion, but it is about the connection to love, the connection to the self, connection to understanding how important it is to be in alignment. Um, so having gone on the path of, you know, wanting to heal my neck holistically has really allowed me to connect to my spiritual side a lot more. Um, I, you know, meditation is such a different experience for me. Um, I've definitely, I, I definitely feel that I've expanded my understanding of spirituality for what it is for me. So yeah, and there's always more. There's always, uh, something else to discover. So spirituality is a nine out of 10. In the next year, how could I uh, create a more, I think, yeah, just more love, <laughs> more love. I think the answer to everything is more love, right? Um, so spirituality, to get it to, you know, a 10 out of 10 would definitely be more love and also more learning. Um, Dr. Joe Dispenza has a retreat coming out in uh, in Mexico next, end of April, early May. So I'm committed to be able to do that. I be, yeah, you know, so I went when I went to Dr. Joe Dispenza's retreat this year. That was de that definitely was the catalyst for um, having a, a deeper understanding of spirituality and, uh, and and who I am and my place in the world. So uh, yeah, I'd love to be able to attend his course next year in Mexico. Love relationships. Look, I believe this is about an 8 out of 10. Um, I wish that I could be, uh, I guess, more patient with my husband sometimes when it comes to his way of parenting. And he's mentioned this before. You know, one of the things that I did promise him before we embarked on this journey of parenting was I will create the space. I promise to create the space for him to show up as a father that he wants to be without he wants to be as opposed to me dictating how he should be, right? And, you know, there's been times in the last year that I have not honoured this promise. Um, so being able to be more compassionate on his journey of fatherhood I think would be a really amazing um, and that would actually allow us to create a deep connection. 
to yeah to us um and the other thing is to have more one-on-one time together I mean this year we started having more date nights um and so forth but yeah I'd love to be able to have something more consistent uh next year as opposed to having Avery around with us all the time and being our third wheel on our date nights um so parenting the next area of life is parenting look I'm going to give myself a nine out of ten in this uh the one thing that I think was missing you know for it to be a 10 for me was um being able to create space like to be to be able to create space when Avery feels difficult emotions you know I'm still learning that being able to like you know making sure that at the forefront of my mind that whenever a child is experiencing a difficult emotion and they're acting out do not judge their behavior but understand what's behind that behavior and the one thing that's so important for every parent to know is this that before you can even talk to them or discipline them and discipline means teaching by the way not controlling is connection connection is so important so when a child acts out and their behavior is not great, what they're seeking is what they're seeking is do you still love me when I'm at my worst? So it's so important to connect right there and then before um, being able, yeah, to even talk through whatever it is that they're going through. Um, so the reason why, you know, I think I can do the connection thing when he is acting up a lot better. Um Look, I do. I, I must admit, I, I believe I do it pretty well. But when there's other people around, I, I'm fearful of their judgment. And you know, they're already calling us hippie parents and whatever. But um, look, and when I say whatever, obviously I know that I feel judged, right? Um, see, so that's something. Oh, I'm bringing awareness to that. But yeah, like I do feel judged about our parenting choices. And having said that. I'm also solid about how we parent because I'm reading the books. I'm reading the books from psychologists, from neuroscientists, um, you know, so the, the choices that I've made in parenting aren't from nowhere. They're actually, I'm turning to the experts, turning to the people who are understanding how children behave to be able to guide through the choices that I make because when you know better, you do better. And I guess what I can do next year uh, is spend more time understanding the development stage of a toddler. So I did a lot of uh, research and knowledge on understanding the child's brain from zero to two. But I must admit this year what I've done more on um, is more myself rather than, and I haven't made space to understand the toddler and how their brain changes through these years. So I'd love to be able to do that uh, next year. Social life. Oh, look, intuitively, as soon as I said social life, it's like a three or four out of 10. So I've spent more time with people that I don't want to spend time with. And I've spent less time with the people that I really love and that are that are so important to me. Um, so social, in terms of social life, I'd love to be able to spend more time with the people that are more important to me, that matter, uh, my closest friends, and yeah, making time for them is so important. And I'm so bad with, me- like, I hate messages and I hate emails. Um, yeah. So I guess what would be amazing next year is just to give them a call, you know, just to say, hello, I hate the phone too, by the way. So, just, but you know, what I can do next year is if everyone's busy, just to be able to give them a call and say, Hey, I love you. I'm thinking of you. Um, yeah, that would be really great to, even if, even if I can't see a lot of my friends, just to be able to let them know consistently that I'm thinking of them and that I love them. 
In terms of career, so the next area of life is career. Um, it is for me probably a seven or eight out of ten because I'm writing the book, so I'm making choices to, yeah, like spend time with the things that I love doing, which is writing. I'm teaching. I love teaching. You know, um, when I teach, it's more for me than the students because I learn so much from the students. And I'm grateful to be able to even have a voice to be able to share what it is that I'm learning. So teaching for me is so, it's, it's filled with gratitude. Um, and it reminds me, it's it's so humbling. It's such a humbling experience to teach, right? Because it's not about me teaching something that I know better on. It's about me being able to understand that these people have allowed me in their space to be able to go on this journey with them to learn. So career, yeah, it's about a seven or eight out of 10. I think what, you know, would be able to take it to the next level is to let go of the self-doubt and let go of the fear and the judgment and let go of the worry that, you know, and, and questioning like, who am I? So that's, yeah, career. Now, financial life is number 10 out of the 12 categories of life. So financially, I think it's about a five or six out of 10, right? One, I've brought more awareness to my financial habits. We've taken more responsibility around how we spend our money and being able to, and, and how we consciously, you know, and energetically where we give our money. Um, and so, we, you know, we've got a budget and I've never really had a budget before. Uh, we started also saving a lot more, which is remarkable because we haven't really saved before. Well, the thing is we saved when I started doing my startups and then we invested all that money into the startups. And then, um, yeah, we just found that we weren't able to save as much. And so we were living paycheck to paycheck up until probably recently where, we, you know, we've made this choice for John to you know, spend time discovering what it is that he loves to do. And then therefore I'm dedicating myself to writing. And so we're both not earning an income at the moment. Um, so we've really had to be able to go, well, how do we, like, you know, we had to save earlier this year to be able to support this lifestyle that we wanted. So financially it'll be, you know, one, I think next year, what could improve it is to not worry and stress about it so much. And two, just to be able to be free and be joyful around it. Like, Think of it as a relationship rather than something that is fearful. And relationships thrive more when it's joyful and liberating rather than constraining and worrisome and stressful. So, you know, money is energy. Money also is a, like requiring a relationship from you and your understanding. So I can definitely bring more awareness and understanding to my financial life that will label, enable to elevate it to higher than a five or six out of 10 next year. Um, the one thing that I did do this year was I also read look, books on finances. Finances seem to have like be something that I've been quite scared of. Um, <laughs> but this year I've brought more awareness to that. So I'm hoping to be able to bring more, even more awareness to it next year, my relationship to the finances, how I feel about finances and catching when I'm bringing, I, I guess, living from a space of fear and and reminding myself and choosing to live from a space of love when I look at finances. So the second last uh, area that in life book that they've mentioned is quality of life. So out of a 10, the quality of life for me has definitely been about maybe a seven and a half to an eight out of 10. I, we are so blessed 
to live the life that we have, John and I, with Avery, our quality of life is dependent on the quality of our relationships, the quality in being able to do what we love, the quality on how we spend our time, the quality of our state of mind, the quality of our consciousness, our health, our well-being, our sense of self. So quality of life is definitely about a seven or eight out of 10, where it can be elevated to the next level is definitely being able to enjoy uh, more experiences of life. Like I'd love to be able to travel a lot more, um, be able to be freer with money, be able to, yeah, like just be able to buy and shout and spoil the, the people that I love with gifts and not be able to, you know, because right now finances are tight. Um, so being able to expand the quality of life is directly correlated to also being able to have more freedom around finances. And lastly, life vision. You know, what on a scale of one to 10, where's the fulfillment of life vision? Look, I'll be honest, I think it's about a six to a seven out of 10. I, I believe that I have some clarity but not a, like, you know, I can always create more clarity around our life vision and what that looks like. And also be able to see the life vision from a space of love versus fear. Because I think what I've noticed this year is um, how limited my life vision has been. And I love this quote from Albert Einstein, where he says, logic can take you from A to be, but imagination can take you everywhere. So when we're living in a state of fear, we're only seeing possibilities that are logical, right? So I would love to be able to elevate the life vision that I have, be able to expand my imagination, to expand what's like, you know, to go beyond what I think is possible. So uh, yeah, that would take it definitely from a six out of seven to an eight, an eight, nine or 10. So um, thank you for joining me on this episode and being able to share the year in review. I hope it's been of value to you. And, the, you know, my intention of being able to share this with you is so that it can spark the questions for you. I think it's a really different way to be able to ask the year in review, we're, 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 you know, in how I've asked these questions to myself. It has been from the lens of how much was from love, how much was from fear, understanding the emotional states, rather than, oh, you know, what have I achieved and what is next year going to be about? Look, those are important as well. Like I'm not dis- I'm not dishonoring those kind of objectives or goals, but they, I don't know, they don't, I, I don't think they are digging deep enough, you know, because when we can dig deep enough around our emotional state and what it is that we feel and what it is that we want to create, I believe those external goals kind of come to life anyway. So yeah, thank you for being a part of this journey on discovering what would love do. And I just want to, I'm so grateful if you're still listening. I'm grateful for the support. I'm grateful for your your love. I'm grateful for being on this journey with me. And there've been some amazing people who have really um, 
inspired me on what would love do. So I'd love to be able to spend the next few moments giving a shout out. So one person that comes to mind is Frank Choi. Like, so Frank contacted me on LinkedIn. Um, I think he discovered the podcast through the interview with Gina. Frank, thank you so much for taking the time out to send a personal message. You don't know how much that means because it means a lot. Another person is Alan. Alan, you are such a blessing. You know, I didn't even know if anyone listens to these podcasts, um, but Alan has been so generous with his time and love and he's constantly uh, contacting me on Instagram to go, hey, you know, just and, and thanking me. But if anything, I want to thank you for your time, your attention and your generosity and your heart and creating space to listen. Sandy, a close friend of mine, Sandy, you are amazing. Um, you know, I just love when you send me messages in the morning going, hey, I'm listening to your podcast and I'm exploring this and let's explore this together. And I love these discussions that we have. So Sandy, thank you so much. And Shiju, Shiju is another close friend of mine who listens to these podcasts and um, sends me love. And so once again, I want to be able to acknowledge you for your generosity and yeah, your space of listening. So guys, Thank you so much for a wonderful, wonderful, yeah, just creating the space for me to be able to share um, and have these kind of conversations. I really do hope they have been of value to you. They are definitely of value to me. Um, and I don't take it lightly that you are here, that you are listening, because to, to give is to receive. So as I'm giving and sharing these learnings about love and fear, really I'm receiving more than I'm giving. And um, to receive is to give. So as you're receiving these messages, you are really giving and you're, you're being generous in being able to create that space to receive. So thank you. I want to acknowledge you. I'm sending so much love. And I really hope that 2018 can be celebrated for what it was, for what it wasn't, and that you understand that everything that has happened is leading you to something better. Everything that has happened is leading you to, to learn, to evolve, to grow, and that we always have a choice to live from love over fear. Sending so much love, and I look forward to our next episode on What Would Love Do? Thank you for joining me. Happy New Year. May 2019 be everything that you want it to be. May it be your year and I look forward to spending and discovering 2019 with you. Sending so much love. Bye for now.